Welcome to the Beyond Mom Podcast, the podcast for moms seeking connection to self while navigating the journey of motherhood. Get inspired with our practical tools, soulful conversations, and honest stories told by other women like you. From entrepreneurship to healthy living to style, Beyond Mom will spark you to live the thriving life you deserve. And now, join our host, Brandy Zinn, as she takes you Beyond Mom. Hi, everybody. This is Randy of Beyond Mom. Thank you for tuning in to the On Air with Beyond Mom podcast. I'm so happy that you're taking your precious time and spending it here with me. I know how hard it can be to find those moments to invigorate yourself and inspire yourself. So I commend you and I am glad you are here with me. Um Today's discussion and interview is with somebody that I was privileged to connect with this past year at the She Summit here in New York. Her name is Tara Moore, and she's a San Francisco-based mom and coach and writer and speaker, and she's many, many things that she's going to share with you um, in our discussion today. Um, So here she is. Hi, Tara. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So happy you're here. Um, I just know as we were we were just sort of discussing that you know the things that you really specialize in in your work is so applicable to the Beyond Mom community and to our listeners because as most of us know, when we embark on this motherhood journey, we're not all that prepared for all of the changes that occur on a deeper level inside of who we are as individuals. Um, and we come to terms with all of these new ideas we have, new inspiration, new ways that we want to do things. And we, we don't always know what to do with that change. So I just know that our conversation today will, will really offer our listeners a lot. So, so let's dive in. Um, in your recent book, which you're going to get to tell us all about, uh, you talk a lot about women playing small. And I personally really do relate to that battle of what it means to play small and then grow into this larger version of yourself. So talk to us a little bit about what that playing small is and and how can we start to do things differently as as moms, as beyond moms? Yeah. Well, I'm glad we're starting there because I know sometimes women, especially moms, hear that term playing small and it feels like, oh, now I have another thing wrong with me and I'm supposed to play big and that's another thing on my to-do list and I don't even have time to take basic care of myself as a mom. So now you're telling me I have to play big too and do I really have to play big right now? So I, I think that's a very normal reaction and I always like to clarify up front what I mean by playing big and the kind of playing big that I like to work with women around, which is not necessarily the playing big that the world might see as, oh, that's big. Okay, she's got the big title or the big paycheck or doing the thing that everybody else recognizes as big. But the kind of playing big uh, I'm talking about is defined from the inside out. It's whatever playing big means to that woman. And it's really an inner kind of playing big. It's being bold with your own dreams and your own aspirations, whatever those are. And so for some women, they're playing big is I'm starting a business. 
for some women, they're playing big is I'm really going for advancement at work. For some, it's I'm speaking up and being honest about the fact that I don't want to go back to work. For some, it's, hey, there's that artistic hobby that I loved when I was growing up and I somehow got talked out of it. And even though I feel like I'm not very good at it or I feel nervous about picking it up again, it really, I feel a huge longing to go back to it. So it's knowing your own aspirations and longings and then let's play big with those. Hmm. I think that's a really important differentiation. Really, really important. So how do we begin to explore moving in that direction? Yeah, well, there's lots of different doorways in, but one that I love to start with women around because it's so apparent for all of us is looking at how our inner critics are keeping us playing small. Uh, So the inner critic is the voice in your head that's saying things to you about yourself that are harsh, that are judgmental, anything that you hear in your head about yourself that is not the kind of thing you would intend to say to someone you love, you're hearing your inner critic. And it can show up with body image. It can show up with, I'm not being a good mom. It can show up with, I don't have the skills I would need to grow a business. Um, I can't ask for the position I really want at work. There's no way they'd give it to me. A lot of those kinds of voices. And most of us don't know too much about this inner critic voice, what it is or why it is. And so we think we're just hearing our own best thinking. Maybe sometimes we go, oh, I get insecure, but that's all we know about it. And I'm a really big advocate of every woman getting to know, okay, what is my inner critic saying right now? What are the, in the different areas of my life and how can I hear it, but not take direction from it? So unlike a lot of other people in the kind of women's work and women's empowerment world, I'm not a fan of the evidence, the argument that women should become more confident or the advice that we should become more confident. I don't think that's actionable advice for us, but I do think we can learn how to have a different relationship to our self-doubt, accepting that it's always going to be there but not taking direction from it, taking direction from our aspirations and our vision and our desires for our life. Great. I was reading through some of your um, your writing and some of the stuff on your website, of course, and you talk a lot about what motivated your work. And you talked a lot about frustration and hope. And I love that because there is these two things that I think we all touch base on in our own lives. And, you know, because this idea of beyond mom and going beyond mom is taking ideas, new ideas, new inspirations and and running with them to create a new life for ourselves. For And that can mean um, just a new way of viewing our lives. It can be a simple thing. Um So I wondered if you could share ideas on how Beyond Moms can utilize frustration and hope to achieve something that they want. Right. Well, the first thing, as you're pointing out, is to take those seriously and to pay attention to what frustrations and what ideas of of, inspirations are calling out to you. So, for example, you know, we all, as we're going about our day, taking in news, talking with the people in our lives, we hear and see a lot of disturbing things, right? You just scroll through the news and you, you're going to see 50 headlines that, that really 
are horrifying. Um, and over the course of a few weeks, you're going to uh, hear about all kinds of and encounter all kinds of needs and problems in the world. And yet, certain ones of those are going to speak to you louder. And they're going to call out to you. And some of them are going to kind of tap you on the shoulder and say, can you, can you do something about that? And it might be, hey, you know, there's a need in my neighborhood that's not being met. It might be a social issue that you're reading about in the paper. But to notice which of those needs and um, problems in the world speak to you loudest, keep coming back into your mind, keep you up at night, you know, the, the headline that you just cannot get out of your mind, those kinds of things. And then think about what can I do within the current circumstances in my life to, to help make a difference around that problem or need. And this is a place where I find a lot of women get stuck because we have such big dreams and we're, we can be such overachievers that we go to the like, well, then I would have to get a PhD in anthropology and I would have to get trained in that and I would have to this and, I, and I'm busy being a mom and I have this other... I have these responsibilities. So it's so important to think about, you know, what, what is a way that I can work on that just to start, you know, a couple hours a week? What is that? Is it reading about it more? Is it getting involved with an organization? Is it philanthropy? Is it a community project? Don't give yourself the excuse of making it really complicated and big because then it becomes really easy to say, I can't do that now. But I believe no matter what your responsibilities are, no matter what your financial circumstances are, whatever callings you feel, there is some way you can start living them and working on them in your life right now. Sometimes we just have to get creative about the how um, and let it be, uh, you know, the, a smaller vision or a, uh, a sort of initial test of our big vision rather than going for the whole big thing at once. That's a great idea. I, maybe it's because I'm a Libra, but I'm always trying to find balance. <laughs> so I'm always curious about, you know, how we work with opposing parts of who we are. And you talk a lot about that. You talk a lot about finding balance between our inner world and our outer world, our mind and our heart, our mental knowledge and our intuition. How do you suggest we work with finding the balance in these opposing parts of ourselves? Yeah, well, it's a great question. And, you know, I think the most fundamental skill that we need to have at human, as human beings is to pull apart the different voices inside of ourselves and know the different parts of us. Like when people say, just be yourself, like, what does that mean? Because there's lots of selves in there, you know, like, and if I, being myself, that could mean my highest, wisest, most loving self, or that could be the me that is, you know, kind of compulsive and perfectionistic, or that could be the me that is like, gets a little, like, has a tendency to isolate and be withdrawn, like, which me, right? And so that, that work of, for in my framework that I use, it's distinguishing, okay, what's my inner critic voice? What's that irrational, fear-based voice of self-doubt that, we didn't talk about this yet, but in, I believe the inner critic is always coming from 
a fearful part of us that just it doesn't want to do anything that might bring risk of failure, too much success, change. So it's like a safety instinct part. So there's that part of us. And then there's our higher self, um, which in my work with women, we access that highest, most loving, most wise, most authentic, um, totally kick-ass part of ourselves. I call it the inner mentor. And it's a version of yourself that is kind of your your wise, wise woman version of you, you 20 or 30 years in the future. And you can do a guided visualization, and it's on my website, to meet this woman and then really get a good sense of her voice. And when you have a difficult dilemma in your life or a difficult situation, say, what would she do about it? How would she, how would she write this email? How would she handle this difficult conversation with my in-laws? Um, what what does her typical day look like? Like really draw on her and start to live more into her. So that's this kind of navigating different voices within us, not listening to inner critic, drawing more and more on inner mentor. Um, And I think that's, there's a kind of, that's like really what it means to be self-managing is to know the different voices in yourself and be conscious about who, which part of yourself is in charge and which, we might need to reassure and have a place for it at the table, but not in charge. Kind of like, you know, how we are with our toddlers. Yes, which leads me to uh, another question, <laughs> which is, you know, how has becoming a mom grown and shaped your work and your perspective? Well, I mean, you said it so beautifully, I think, right before we started that there's this huge identity shift. And um, I remember waking up one day and thinking, you know, the best word for this is reorganized. I feel like I'm being completely reorganized by motherhood. Like, not my life, me. Like, my insides and my priorities and my, just who I am is everything is shifting. Um, And I don't know that I have words for it. You know, I have a two-year-old. It's so profound, the change, that I don't know how to wrap myself around it. I know that um, it feels like my priorities have just broadened. So while my work is still very important to me, I used to have a life where my individual expression in the world and my individual growth was kind of the main thing. And I had a wonderful relationship with my husband, but I would say that the center of what my life path was about at that point was like, how do I become the individual that I want to be in the world. And now that feels like, you know, that phase is kind of over. And um, it's about this broader set of things. That's like, how do I nurture a child and a marriage and my own body and well-being and community and my home? So there's just seven or eight things now, which means each individual one gets a lot less attention Um, And then I think, I don't know if some of your other guests have talked about this, but I was just talking with a friend about it. There's kind of a fog to having a young child where it's just foggy weather in there mentally, like things. and, and And one of the things that I've had to learn is that I can still do great work even when I feel foggy which it doesn't feel that way. It feels like I need to wait until the day when I'm super well rested and things are organized and I have a big block of time. And at some point, you know, I just had to realize along the way, like 
that might not be true. That might actually be my inner critic saying things have to be that way. And I need to just like do my writing, do my speaking, do my work, what, even though it feels really different internally than it used to. You know, you, I haven't gotten enough sleep for three years. So what, there's, what else is there to say about that? <laughs> I wish I could tell you there's light at the end of that tunnel. But there's just, you know, you're lucky when you get like a good week and then they start having nightmares when they turn three and a half, four. So, I mean, I think your point is so true and so right on because there's a million reasons why not. And I think you reach a point where the desire to be productive and share what your gifts are with the world somehow has to be bigger than all the reasons why it's you know, not the right time. And I think, you know, I always say that if you hire a mom to do anything or, you know, charge a mom to do anything, it's going to come out pretty well and because you learn how to do things in a very short amount of time and very efficiently because you generally have no choice. (laughs) You know, I, it's funny. I used to only write in the mornings and that was like sacred for me before I had a child. Early morning time was my writing time. I felt most alert. I felt most in touch with the muse. You know, I believed in the, like, you roll out of bed and you go straight into this creative space. I never booked meetings before 10 or 11 a.m. And I would wake up at, you know, 6. And I had that really quiet, amazing time. My husband's not a morning person, so our whole house would be quiet. And and I did not believe that I could write good creative work at other parts of the day. And I had a day, you know, several several months ago now that was just so pivotal for me because it was a day when I had blocked off the morning for writing. You know, our nanny had been there and it had been yet another night where sleep didn't go as expected. And so I had been up most of the night. And so I needed to go to sleep for most of the morning if I was going to function at all. And so there I was, I woke up at like one and I had 45, I had a 45 minute block of time and my heart just like wanted to write, you know, it was a, it had been a writing day in my calendar and I had missed it. And, and so it was a huge moment when I was like, you know, we have from 2 PM until 2:45 PM. And this essay is going to get written right now. Let's just see, let's see if my brain can adapt. And I wrote it. And by 2:45, I was on such a high because I had written and that's, I love writing and I was actually quite surprised that I could do it in 45 minutes instead of three hours. And I could do it in the afternoon, you know. Um, so there's this, yeah, that sense of like we're losing the preciousness about amounts of time and routines and the perfectionism and um, being willing to continue to create and lead and do our work in a very foggy, imperfect, constantly changing thing. You know, that for me has been a lot of what the change is about. Yep. I think that's good. And I think a lot of people can really, really relate to that. Really, really can. Um, So shifting gears a little bit, you know, so many of the Beyond Moms that I have the privilege of spending time with here in New York, and I know that there's many, many around the the world, um, you know, have these ideas, passions, missions, similar to yourself, similar to myself. And are trying to figure out how to build a platform to share that vision, whether it's a website or content or a book. So because you've done 
a handful of these things and are continuing to do so, I think it would just be so meaningful uh, for listeners to hear tips or ideas that you have for beginning to build a platform around something that you feel you want to share. Sure. Yeah. Well, I, when I embarked on this career path, which was about seven or eight years ago now, I I had a prior career in the philanthropic world, working in the foundation world and knew this was much more what I really wanted to do. And um, very early on, I knew that I would want to write a book about some of the kinds of ideas that I'm still you know, writing about and talking about now. And I had a friend of a friend who was a literary agent and I, I brought some of my early writing into her and went and met with her. And she said, your writing's great. Um, come back when you have 5,000 people on your mailing list. And I, at the time was like, I have no idea what that is. I have no idea how to make that happen. But around the same time, another friend had suggested to me to start blogging. Just she thought, you know, you would like this. People would like it. And I found I really loved blogging um, for lots of different reasons. And so I started slowly growing a blog. Um, In 2008, I started blogging and, um, and, and started writing for other websites as well, which was a very important early step so that people can even find your blog. Um, and, and then actually was approached by a publicist who had been, had come across some of my work that was in the Huffington Post and she was really inspired by it and wanted to help it reach more people. And so I got to work with this great publicist really because she wanted to help amplify the work. And so through that, I started doing some media. So I think, you know, for me, it was a very brick by brick process, um, I always tell people it took me a year and a half to go from 38 subscribers on my blog to 150 subscribers on my blog because I was so resistant to doing any marketing, following any techniques. Um, I just thought if you write good stuff, people will come. And that's what it turns out like my, you know, naive meritocratic like thinking (laughs) that's not how it works like you have to write great stuff and really help people get to know about it and there's sort of a craft of learning like what shareable online and what what works in the blogging format which is different than just a general piece of writing so it took me a while to learn all that and and to kind of surrender to like you're gonna have to care about some of that stuff and go learn about it um but then things really start to, to grow from there. And then, you know, it, honestly, I had a much, much bigger readership than 5,000 people by the time I went back to any literary agents because I just fell in love with blogging so much and teaching courses based on the ideas I was developing that it was a long time before I had room to, like, think about a book again. Um, yeah, so that's a little bit of, of that story. I love it. I mean, it's, I think what it says, um, and actually it's funny because I feel like I'm in the midst of doing what you just talked about. Um, there is an organic process and on one hand you have to stay true to what you want to share with the world. At the same time, there is a bit of a recipe to get yourself out there. Um, so I think it's a great message to pay attention to kind of like what works and go with, you know, some of those rules. And I know for myself, and I'm sure you as well, Tara, you I mean, you also have to turn to people that know more than you do on certain things. 
and yeah. find your resources. I read blogs about blogging. You know, I took some great courses for women entrepreneurs. Um, I always, I like to recommend Marie Forleo's B-School, um, which was a great one. You know, I luckily, it, it, there is that dance, exactly, Randy, that you're pointing to, of like, how do I stay true to myself and my vision, but also do what works? Happily, I never felt like I had to compromise myself, and I always said no, and I did say no to lots of things, lots of marketing tactics, and, you know, that are very common that, to me, didn't feel like how I wanted to do things, but then there were other things, like, for example, I didn't want to guest write for any other personal growth sites in the beginning because I couldn't find any that I respected. And I was just like, the quality of these is crap. It's mostly like 22-year-old guys being like, here's how to get up at 4 a.m. and run a marathon. And I was just like, I don't want to write for those. But then I thought, well, you know, that's not actually compromising me. I'm going to write my content. And it did help a lot of people find my site. So those are the kinds of things where I had to sort of learn and adapt, but I never, I never, you know, have felt like I needed to do something or have chosen to do something that gave me pause, you know, in terms of how I wanted to market. And I always feel so good when people say, you know, to me, I love that your marketing Tara isn't salesy. And, you know, my approach is I have, I've been able to make the business work with like, we're going to put out great content you get to hang out and read for a long time here. Um, and then if you want to go further with a course or, you know, something that, that is a, an offering that you purchase, you know, you can do that. Um, so yeah. And it's just such a, it's, it's such, I can't say that without, without also adding, like it is such a wonderful time to be a creative woman or a woman entrepreneur. Like the tools are amazing. The market that can find those offerings. It's just, it's so exciting. And I love what I, what I get to do. So another offering that I thought you could kind of um, share with our listeners before we kind of wrap it up and tell everyone how they can find more of you. I was um, again, perusing on your website and I loved your 10 rules for brilliant women was really, really right on. And um, I thought, one, of course, I want to tell everyone listening to go to this list on your website and you can direct everyone there at the end. But um, I wanted you to kind of share a bit about it and about this list and how you hope maybe the Beyond Moms listening will use it. Yeah. Well, the ten, so 10 Rules for Brilliant Women, um, it's actually a great, it's a great story for moms to hear because um, I wrote that list. Um, I had been coaching individual women on the side of my regular job and seeing different patterns, you know, that were coming up. This is what, you know, I still work in my old job. I had gotten trained as a coach, coaching women, seeing these patterns of how women were not seeing their own brilliance, were not stepping into what they were capable of. And I was just so inspired by my clients. There were, they were these awesome women and I wanted them to be running the show and they weren't. And I sat down one day and was like, okay, I thought of one of them in particular. and was like, what are the 10 things I wish she knew about herself and I wish she would do differently? And it just came from the heart. It took me about 20 minutes to write. And, um, and I, when I wrote it, I felt really scared. Like I find that when I'm really saying something in my writing and I'm not playing it safe, I'm a little trembly after. I was like, oh, wait, there's something here. And I sent it off to Huffington Post. Um, it went completely viral. 
it's still by far the most popular thing I've ever written online. It's been translated into tons of languages. So I think that just goes to show, you know, sometimes as moms, we have that narrative that something needs the perfect circumstances or time. It's not like that. It's more like you move through your life, noticing what you're seeing in front of you. You stay awake to what's happening and what you're feeling about it. And then probably the most impactful work you're going to do is not the stuff that you're laboring over, you know, it's, it's what comes naturally, but you kind of have to show up regularly to write, to get those moments. So it's, it's both. Um, and yeah, that's what the list is. It's like, what do I wish brilliant women were doing so that our world was as impacted by our visions and our ethical leadership and our, um, creations, um, as much as it, we would also benefit from, and you can find it on the site, it's taramore.com, T-A-R-A-M-O-H-R.com slash 10 rules. And then what I also did after it got such a response is I created a little workbook that allows um, people to really start applying the rules in their life. Like you get a couple questions and a couple little exercises for each rule. Um, and you can sign up for that. It's free on the site. That's great. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. So tell us so one more time, and maybe if there's more to share, how we can find you, where we can follow you, and any you know next projects or things we, we should be looking out for. Yeah. Well, taramore.com, T-A-R-A-M-O-H-R, and there's lots of free resources there and five years of articles and all of that. Um, and my Playing Big course, which is a personal and professional growth course for women. Um, the next session of that is starting in the spring and you can learn more about that on the website. It's a six month phone and online journey to get you to your playing bigger. Um, and I think around the time this airs, the paperback of my playing big book will also be just out from Penguin. So that's very exciting. You can find that on Amazon or wherever you like to buy books. And I'm on Facebook, Tara Moore as well, um, and look forward to connecting with folks. That's awesome. Thank you so much for being here today and for sharing your wisdom and your insight and, and most importantly, your honesty, because I think many women feel that they have to arrive somewhere now. And I think that the most inspiring thing is to hear from women that are living it, doing it, achieving things, but also owning that the whole thing is a journey and a process. So I think that's the most freeing and inspiring thing that you know you can give any other woman who's navigating this time. So I thank you for that, Tara. Uh, thanks. Thanks for having me. And thanks for doing everything you're doing with Beyond Mom. Oh, thank you. Okay, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. And again, giving your precious time to On Air with Beyond Mom. It's appreciated. And we hope that um, you got as much from today's talk as I did. See you soon. 